And we are here today at the Biblos Network. Welcome, everybody. We're glad you have come to join us for this session. We are excited. We're excited about God, the things of God. And above all, we want you to know the Word of God. Um, the Word of God is forever settled in heaven. Not one jot, not one tittle will pass away. It is literally the dotting of the I and the crossing of the T. It's all going to come to pass. And we want you to know it. We don't want anybody talking you out of your walk with God. It's a great day to be apostolic. It's a great day to love the things of God. And we're glad you're here with us. Uh, we've had a great week. Um, I pray you have as well where you are. We get your comments. We get your feedback. We get your questions and suggestions. And we want you to keep sending those. Um, some people, they contact me through Twitter, Urshan at Twitter, uh, N-A-U-I-I at Instagram. Some people send messages through Facebook, so send those. Um, we got a number around here somewhere, but I can't remember it, so we'll have to put it down in the in the comment section. But um, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're with us here at Biblos, and we have a great treat for you. I have here in the studio with me today a good friend, um, a great man of God who's been with us this weekend here in Durham, and he is from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and he is preaching around the world. It's good to have my friend Cornelius Williams with me today. Great, Glad to have you on the show. Oh, it's so good to be on the show. Glad to be on a network. Excited. Is this your first time in Durham? This is my first time here in Durham. And uh, it's been an amazing trip. God's been doing good things and uh, excited about revival yeah. in this part of the country. What about North Carolina? You ever spent any time? I have been to North Carolina, uh, just not these parts, in the hills. Yeah. You know who's from North Carolina? Who would that be? From Durham, North Carolina. John P. Key. John P. Key. <laughs> <laughs> that was quiz on the spot right there. Yeah, you got to know those John P. Key songs. Yeah. I was born in Durham, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right outside the county line. Oh, yeah. That's good old gospel. Yeah, man. Um, it's This is an area that's steeped in gospel. It's traditions. It's it's uh, Pentecostal traditions. You know, uh, Bishop Godair has been here since 1973 obviously planted a great work, and then uh, the Kenny Godair and others that have built great churches. Um, so there's a lot of history here. Great heritage. Yeah, great. One, oneness apostolic heritage. Man, it's good stuff. Now I'm glad glad to be a part of this apostolic doctrine. Yeah. To preach it, to live it, to love it. And um, this is the greatest message that, that there is on planet Earth. It is. Um, you are a one of the young men that are at the forefront of preaching, um, you are, you're around the country, you're evangelizing, you're preaching conferences, you're contending for faith. And here we are in a, a weird world, you know, before, before this session, we were, we were talking in the office and you, we were talking a little bit about secularism mm -hmm. and education. So, um, for those of you that are listening, brother Williams is, uh, he believes in education. He's a great preacher. He, he loves the doctrine and the things of God. He has a beautiful family. Um, and he preaches everywhere. He is a soul winner. But one of the things that is interesting about him is that he has been an advocate and a proponent of education. Um, you are a, a marine biologist? Environmental biologist um, by degree. Um, I did obtain a bachelor's degree. My degree concentration was environmental biology, but my degree was regulatory science. And that science kind of sounds like a theological oxymoron for Christian scientists. But yeah. Um, but here you are. But here I am. Here I am in the flesh. <laughs> yeah, so you work for the state of Louisiana, right? I, I worked for the government for 10 years. 10 years. Um, I began working for the government right out of college, 22 years old. And um, I uh, started to try to make my mark in the world, the secular world that is. And um, had, I had a very, very promising career that I enjoyed for a number of years um, doing uh, coastal um, evaluation, wetland ecology, uh, as a coastal resources scientist for the state of Louisiana, and um, just a whole bunch of nerdy stuff that people probably thinks yeah pretty boring. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> this is what is awesome about this, um, Brother Williams and I. We we've got had conversation in the past, and and oh, yeah. before I knew what he did, I liked nerdy stuff. You were pretty much a nerd. Yeah, pretty much a nerd. And <laughs> I got to talking about pH balances one day, and you, your ears perked up. And oh, you came my back. hairs stood up. <laughs> said, yeah. He's talking my language. Hold yeah. On. One of the very few men on the planet that actually wants to sit down and talk about it. Um, we've even, you even counseled me on a project I had going on. No. <laughs> don't, give me, don't give me too much credit. Well, 
it's been good. I love it because one of the great obstacles of young adults today mm -hmm. is they get sent away or they go away to a university and they get some education and they run into the liberal secularism yes. that is in a university. That is a cult. It is. It's a religion. They have a doctrine. And they are intent on indoctrinating us. Without question. If you don't believe what I believe, you become a cult. Yeah. So the, the, the idea that they can, they can push secularism, they can push um, agnostic and atheistic mindsets into our children, when we contend for the faith, we are fighting and combating those spirits that are trying to indoctrinate our young people mm. in this generation. I think, I think every preacher that's worth his salt that believes in the, the pure, unadulterated word of God should have a repertoire that is filled with combating those, those thoughts and those mindsets. And you can't com combat something if you don't have knowledge about something. Yeah. Knowledge is power. So if you don't even know it exists, yes, you say you say, oh, I want I want my kid to have education, yes. So you send them away, and that's typically what's been done from the '80s, '90s. I want my kid to have a better life. I want him to get a degree. I want him to 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 flourish and be successful. Mm -hmm. They send them to this college. When they get there, they run into ideologies that are toxic, ambushed. Am that's a great word. They're ambushed immediately <clears throat> with ideas, ideologies that they have never heard of in their Sunday school settings. They've never heard of these concepts. And on the onset, most young people, when they are encountered with those, those teachings from professors that are agnostic, it, it's very frustrating and agitating because the average young person is not abreast upon the depths of scripture to be able to properly defend themselves. Yeah. And when you can't defend yourself, you, you go into a mode of retreat or acceptance. And so they start believing things that sound good and they have, they have this aura of astute intelligence, but it's false doctrine. It is. And a lot of it's a facade. It's a facade. Absolutely. I, I know a lot of professors who they got a, they've got a bottle, a flask of gray goose next to their <laughs> bed or in their drawer and yep. their in their desk they're alcoholics miserable miserable they've been divorced multiple times and that yet they sit they sit in the seat of judgment and they pronounce judgment and they they make people feel like simpletons you know young people are looking for acceptance they're look, looking to um, make their way and here's this learned person who is and you know there's different ways of doing this you can mm -hmm. just head on attack you know right. aggressively but then there's the really dangerous ones who are sly, They're cunning, very cunning. Mm -hmm. They can infer things just, you know, you, they can paint the picture of faith as being ignorant mm -hmm. and, and uneducated, superstitious. Right. Um, I think it was, um, I think it was Richard Dawkins mm -hmm. who, uh, was dealing with, um, Dr. Lennox, who was a mathematician. Mm -hmm. And when, when Lennox asked him, he said, Hey, do, do you believe in God? Dawkins' response was, well, which one? Which one? You know, and just that. It's condescending. You know what we're talking tone, about. Yeah. yeah. It's no question yeah. what I believe. Is it Thor? Is it, you know, silly stuff <laughs> like that. And in doing that, they, they not so subtly, they, they drag down the Judeo-Christian ethic into the quagmire of all the false gods of this world. You get a steady diet of that. And what happens is a kid comes home spouting that garbage. Yes. Regurgitating, essentially. It's not, it's not. <clears throat> learned knowledge from a biblical perspective is learned knowledge from a secular perspective. Yeah. And um, I think, I think as a young person growing up, that was one of the things that I, I had to learn to navigate as a young person that loved the principles and the discipline of science, but also growing up as a preacher's kid and knowing the word of God and the mm. truths of the word of God. I think I had, I had a binocular lens perspective that I can, I can see both sides of the spectrum and let them meet in one place. And so I, I viewed science and the principles thereof very differently from the rest of my classmates that didn't understand God. They or didn't any, have that framework. They didn't have that framing. And so when I'm reading science book, books, I'm looking at creationism a lot differently. I'm looking at the origins of the universe a lot differently. 
from a biblical perspective first because God's wisdom predates any wisdom of men. And so I, I think that our young people have to be charged and given the proper the proper tools of education, the proper tools of wisdom from the word of God, from the preaching and teaching of God's word that will allow their their minds to be guarded with a proper guard yeah. when they're in those settings and, and be girded up with the knowledge of truth, the word of God, and uh, to be able to fight and combat those, those ideologies. Was there a time... Because obviously you ran into this. Would you, mm-hmm. Did you go to LSU? I went, I went to the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. So I, I was a bivocational or, or student athlete. So okay. um, I, I went to school out of state from home. So I was away from home where the adversary had, had free range to target me. Yeah. I wasn't close to family. So I was on my own. So without, without that network of support, you're fighting this battle. On my own. Yeah. That's a tough spot to it's be tough. in. It's tough. There are people listening to this right now that this is going to resonate with. There are a lot of people out here that they have faced secularism. Mm-hmm. The parents, when they see this, when they see their kid becoming indoctrinated, they say, pull them out of college. College is bad. Mm-hmm. And so then that, in doing that, they rob their child of an education. True. And an education is very valuable. Valuable. You're able to grab... And, and people who go to higher learning, they're able to grasp um, abstract principle. You can't get that without being exposed to ideas and ways of thinking and the great, the great minds of history. So you, you go through that. You learn that in higher education. Yes. But then the insidious nature of secularism. So the, pro- the problem is not education. Mm-mm. It's, it's not, just a vehicle. It's a vehicle. And, and they weave secularism throughout that education because you can get a godly Absolutely. A God-centered education. You can. And the, the, greatest, the greatest idea to understand is that young people, the Bible talks about my people perish because of lack of knowledge. And knowledge is a wide-ranging spectrum. You know, there, there are those that are anti-education that, that for, for whatever reason, believe that we should not engage in those, in those settings. But here's, here's the thing. We live in a modernistic society where where people are being engaged and they're being there, there's disseminations of information into their portals, their mind, where we we sit in settings and you cannot have a proper conversation with a with a true intellect unless you have knowledge. Mm-hmm. And we we're living in a in a day and age, and this is not derogatory in any way to the word of God, but to to minister and witness and teach a home Bible study with an atheist <clears throat> who across the table from you, you're quoting scriptures, you're quoting, quoting Acts 2, 38, Deuteronomy 6 and 4, yeah. and he looks at you and says, why should I even believe the Bible is real? Right. Why, do, why is the Bible, out of all of the books on planet Earth, why is the Bible the book that I should be following? Yes. And now you're stumped because you have nothing else to go on outside of the confines of the word of God in terms of understanding how these people think and how their minds are wired and framed. And in order to do that, you must become all things to all men. And sometimes acquiring education and knowledge is how you can be harmless as a dove and wise as a serpent. Right. Paul had, Paul did this. He did it. Paul was able to speak with men on Mars Hill. Yes. He was also able to speak with the Sanhedrin. With great intellect and articulation to speak with Agrippa and with Nero. Yes, that is powerful. They say of him that he spoke 20 languages at a minimum. Wow. They even say that because they lived in such a a diverse um, part of the world Mm -hmm. that you had to be a polyglot. Um, You had to speak many languages just to survive, and the average person spoke six languages. You You have to have a wide range, a diversity of tools in your arsenal. Right. This is such a big deal. People don't understand the role education plays. And I don't mean education to the exclusion of faith, because to put them in two different worlds and say you have to have one or or you have to have the other, you know, and never the twain shall meet. No. You can't do that. No. Um, it's a false dichotomy. It is. I think you look, you look at <clears throat> men of old in the Bible, even they took recognition of the nature of God from a scientific or 
an educational perspective. You take David, David, David in Psalms eight and three, I believe David, David is looking at the universe. He said, when I consider the heavens, heavens being translated as universe or cosmos, when I, when I consider the heavens, which thou had thy fingers had made, he said, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, which thou hast ordained what is man. Then I consider myself, I'm trying to figure out this thing, this process of life. And I look up and there's something to be said about the universe that speaks to creation, but greater than that speaks to a creator. Job, Job is, Job is forced to recognize God from a, an astronomer's perspective. We're not, we're not, we're not in the idea of condoning astrology, but, but Job, Job nine and nine, he said, which maketh Arcturus and Pleiades and Orion, Mm -hmm. the chambers of the South. He's referencing constellations. He is. And he's using them to say, Hey, look folks, there is a God that, that framed the universe that put these stars in place and named them and called them by name. So you cannot exclude the, 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 the nature of God from nature itself. They have to, they have to coexist, and I think there there are places where education and the church could could merge. Oh, there's no doubt. The, uh, the great um, enlightened scholars, mm-hmm. um, you know Isaac Newton, yes, uh, men like that. They they used faith as their foundation. It was uh, to learn. Yes, their their thinking was, I'm going to use this knowledge to to show the glory of God and to learn mm-hmm. the mysteries of the of God. Um, today, when when you become untethered from that, mm-hmm. it's it's a very interesting thing that happens. Knowledge without a mooring to faith, it produces very disturbing things. Did you know that some of the greatest medical and scientific advances happened under the Nazi regime? Mm. That's interesting. Because they were given carte blanche to to experiment on humans with no ethics no ethics so because there's That's no, barbaric bar, it's it's a, it's an abomination yes so here you have millions of people to practice on and and the reason they felt like they could do it is because there's no god there's no god there's, there's no, no moral no judge at the end of time this person is just a bunch of cells this mm. is actually evolution mm-hmm. we are helping people we're helping them they are they are the inferior of the evolutionary race. So we're helping it along. Mm-hmm. You're tied down with all these stupid superstitions you have. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that's not far from abortion. Mm-hmm. That's not Absolutely. far from a lot of the more toned down versions that we have today. Yes. Um, but when you untie knowledge from faith, you get you can get monsters. Yes, absolutely. The Bible says that the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. Who isn't that good? The fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. So to claim to be wise without God is really ignorant. And the reality is when you understand that God is the origin of all moral law that exists, who's, who's to say that murder is bad? Who, 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 who defined that? Who gave the descriptive term, the definition that murder is wrong? Right. It wasn't the conscience of man. Mm-mm. It wasn't, it wasn't the intelligence of man. It came from an intelligent creator that says, I created this creation, therefore you should honor it and love it as I love it. That's why thou shall not kill, thou should not commit adultery, thou should not cover thy neighbor, neighbor. Because if you love the creation and if you fear the creator, then essentially you will follow the morals yeah. of law. In this, the whole law is comprehended, love thy neighbor as thyself. As thyself. So... That's fascinating. You know, philosophers have known and theologians have known mm-hmm. that sunlight is what lights the earth. Yes. What that means theologically is light comes from without us. Yes. We have no light in us. We have none. So the darkness was upon the face of the deep. The earth was without form and void. And so just like sunlight is needed to light us, knowledge, true knowledge, mm-hmm. holy knowledge has to come from outside of us because God is light and in him is no darkness. Mm. So you have to look to God at the origins of it all period, because all light as real light photons and neutrons, protons, all that good stuff comes from God, but also all wisdom comes from God. 
in that, that's a, that's a powerful dynamic because, so you say, what is murder? Mm-hmm. Um, if a lion kills a calf, that's not murder. Mm-mm. That is that is the that is the world of the beast. Is the world of the beast. And so when the scripture speaks of the beast, I saw a beast rising. I saw this beast. This beast looked like this. Man without God is a beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when an evolutionist says, "Well, we're just we're just primates," um, they're wrong. But they'll also say things like monogamy is not natural. Mm-hmm. They'll say. Um, you know th- that morality was imposed upon us, and Nietzsche was the one who who said everything's a perspective. There is no truth. Yes. So when you do that, you're lowering yourself to the world of the beast. And they say of Nietzsche that he died uh, insane. Mm-hmm. He went blind. He went insane. And when they when that, they they suspect, I don't think they've done an exhumation of his body, but I think they suspect that he it happened because of advanced syphilis. Wow. He was so. Uh, given to just pleasure that he died literally from sin. That's, that's the peril of Genesis that when men are left to their own thoughts, desires that in the, in the beginning, the reason why God destroyed the first earth was because the the imaginations of men's hearts grow evil continually because they did not have at that time, a moral compass derived in, in written form. God, God, there were men that walked with God and they tried to promulgate the gospel or the promulgate the idea that there is, there is the one, the one God, the creator, but men naturally were falling into a a state of, of, of predation that they were, they were falling prey to their own lustful desires. Mm. I think, I think when people lose the framing of purpose is when men become barbaric Yes. With no framing, with no confinement, the the religions there are religious practices outside of the the, the Christian faith. What, what what we believe that that believe that time is cyclical. Mm-hmm. If you believe that time is cyclical, that means that you are here. You you go out through life. You live in your life, and all of a sudden, you just start over again. There is no there is no ending. There is no transition into a eternity you just live life over and over and that's where the ideas of reincarnate of reincarnation and karma come from the buddha the buddhistic and in hinduism yes mind frames are coming from a doctrine that believes that time is cyclical but the bible and even science agrees that time is linear that's good that i am the alpha and the omega i am the same yesterday and today and forever. I'm the beginning and the end. So if time is linear, that means when your time here on earth, earth ends, that there's a beginning in eternity. And if you understand and fear eternity, then you won't live life carelessly and casually into the own desires of your flesh. You're going to face God. You're going to face God face to face. Um, that right there, just sociologically, if you if you look at it through a sociological lens, we know the Bible says it. Yes. Scripture is very firm on Clear. this. Clear. Um, there's going to be a great white throne of judgment. God is going to separate the wheat from the tares, the the sheep from the goats. The Bible is very clear about what happens. Once appointed a man to die and then face the judgment. judgment. So, but even sociologically, Christians are happier. Yes, their life is better. Absolutely. Um, their marriages. You live with purpose. You live with purpose. You, when you live with purpose, you begin to live on purpose. That's a good statement. Just came. Need to me. make a coffee mug out of that. <laughs> Living on purpose. That's right. I'm not an accident. This yeah. is not a cosmic accident. No such thing. If you are just inundated with this mm-hmm. at a university mm-hmm. for four years, you come home. All of a sudden, your hair's purple. You're <laughs> pierced everywhere you're you're questioning your identity i mean you're just you're, your parents are like where did my kid go where? what happened to my johnny yeah and, and this is that's called freedom yes they're calling that freedom and liberation so one of the most powerful portions of scripture that it, it always resonates with me let me pull it up here this is found in um psalms i believe it's the second psalm mm-hmm. it's one of the coronation psalms um 
I always like to look at it in this context because this is not the first time this happened. Mm-mm. Why do the heathen rage mm-hmm. and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of this earth set themselves and the lords take the Lord, the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder, mm. cast away their cords from us. So what they're doing in universities is they're saying that that faith you have, that's a band. Mm-hmm. That's a restriction. Yes. You're, you're ignorant. You're foolish. You're, you're in bondage. You're in bondage. Mm-hmm. In saying that, they're pulling them into the most depraved bondage dynamics. They're, they're, they're going to turn to chemicals and substance abuse. They're going yes. to turn to uh, deviant sexuality that is going to wreck their mind and their thinking. And they call that liberty. Now, here... All this progress now. Now they're marching in the streets. They're toppling things. They're tearing mm-hmm. things down. People are abandoning metro areas because of all the progress. It's so liberal that it's chaotic. Yeah, somebody said so. Open-minded, the brains fell out. There's <laughs> <laughs> nothing to hold it in. The cranium has yeah. cracked. Yeah. So, you know, let us cast away their cords. Yeah. Let us burst their bonds asunder from us. Mm-hmm. The Judeo-Christian mindset, and more than that, the apostolic, the oneness apostolic perspective. Yes. You and I both spring from that. Mm-hmm. I love my wife. Yes. You love your wife. Without question. You have a beautiful son. Mm-hmm. I have two sons. We fight for that. We're pushing for that. We love the awe and the wonder of the cosmos. Mm-hmm. We fight for this message. We want it to flourish, and I, we couldn't be happier. I am living my best life. Best life. I've been on both sides of the fence. I, there were there were times during those years and those periods that I strayed away from God, uh, being pulled away into that society, into that world. Not so much because of education, but after the desires of my own flesh, being a, being an athlete and all that comes along with being. So that's being something that we should mention very quickly: is not only were you an academic, you were an athlete. So yeah. So I had a whole lot going on at the same time. You were going to be a be a professional baseball player in my own world. I was, yeah. and God had different plans. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I played a four-year uh, career, uh, Division One college baseball, traveling the country, um, university to university. And I, in my own mind, my road was set. My mind was made up. I was not going to be a preacher. I didn't want to preach, and um, <clears throat> God's purpose outweighed my plans. And I, I really, I'm really humbled and grateful. Grateful that that God allowed me to get this word and truth and doctrine for myself, and that's that's something that I try to convey to young people everywhere that I'm out, that I'm afforded the opportunity to preach in a conference setting to young people. This is not mama, mama and daddy's religion for me, and it can't be the same thing for our young people. You have to get the word of God deep in your bosom for your own self. Yes, because because when you are when you are faced with with um with trouble on every side and you're faced with people pressing you in peer pressure and the the pressure of prof- professors in the in this this world of secularism that we're talking about the reality is if you don't have it in you you will crumble anything any mass that the pressure outside of the ma- of the mass is is greater than the pressure on the inside of the mass it implodes it implodes and you have to have this treasure in an earthen vessel the spirit of God on the inside of you to be able to push back against the frames that are pushing against you. That's a powerful concept. Yep. What that allowed you to do was to pull back the curtain and see the hypocrisy behind it all. Yes. Um, there's a lot of people out there that, that tried to live a sports dream at the very least you'll do nothing for God pursuing Mm -hmm. that. And that is if you are some powerful, super disciplined person that can get stay away from the parties and all this. But the, the, the failed. Fact, that's not how humans work. Failed. Yeah. You, they get pulled into this, and it, the devil promises them all this joy and happiness. If you just get this, you're, you're finally going to have arrived. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, it's, it's an endless cycle of sin. There's disease behind that. There's there's patterns set in place that create divorce later and broken homes. Yes, um, promiscuity always does that. Always um, substance abuse. Mm-hmm. I know several young men I went to school with that chase these dreams. They're alcoholics today. They're trying to relive the high they got back in high school. They weren't good enough to make the pros. Um, they got to the pros and found out that 
it's a whole different animal. Whole different beast. And, and, and the whole time, the greatest thing, the kingdom of God is sitting there waiting on, on a person to grab a hold of it. I, I wish more young people understood that the grass is not greener. The grass is not greener on the other side. And um, I think we're in a good position as, as men of God that, that understand the proper balance of education because our, our, our young people want to be educated. That's, that's without question. They want to have good careers and good jobs and, and all of these things. But in all thy getting, you got to get understanding. you got to understand that God is far and, fir- and foremost in every facet of our life. He's number one and can't, can't take a back seat. Yeah. Can't take a back seat. No, he is, he is first. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, I'm the first, I'm the last. That's not just a title of, of his. Mm-hmm. That is who he is. That's he, who he is. He cannot be second because he he actually is the first. Now, I know a lot I of people. I am think, yeah. first. Some folks think they're the first. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to say this when I was evangelizing. You know, some people think they're all that. Well, God is the one being in the cosmos who knows he's all that. He knows. <laughs> he, he's the only. I had a friend, one of my good friends, we talked on the, the phone the other day and we're talking about the ideas of narcissism and how most most atheists they 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 have disdain for the idea of a god yeah who wants all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the power and all of the majesty and they said that's narcissistic yeah but then my friend told me he said he said it's not narcissistic because narcissism is an attribute of men yeah it does not pertain to god it does. God cannot be narcissistic. It's not possible, right? Because because He's God. He just is. And man, it's it's one of the greatest things to understand that that God is is everything that you want Him to be and everything that you need Him to be, and He's never anything less. It says He cannot deny Himself. <laughs> so, you know, it it truly belongs to God. Mm-hmm. Glory belongs. It belongs to Him to God. So. And he said, I will not share it with another. I will not. Um, so in that, we, we rejoice. We, we worship God. Even worship is such a powerful concept, too, because apostolics are known for vibrant worship. You know, we, we give our whole being. We're shouting. We're dancing. We're clapping our hands. Oh, yeah. We're shouting hallelujah. Exuberantly. People will poke fun at that. Mm-hmm. But that is the fuel. First of all, it's it's the atmosphere through which God works. He inhabits the praises of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that when we praise God with our hearts, with a pure heart, a repentant heart, God comes. He He shows up. He inhabits the praises. Um, but that then becomes the fuel. Mm-hmm. Once His presence is in our life, that becomes the fuel for every good thing. Everything. So education becomes an extension of my walk with God. My yes. finances become an extension. My children, my family. I'm content at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not bound by the things that so many are bound by. Now they can call that bondage all they want to. That's liberty. No, it is liberty, and it, and whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And in His presence, there is fullness of joy. The idea of a redemptive lift is that when you get in the kingdom of God, your life becomes elevated beyond earthly things. Mm-hmm. My perspective is shifted to know that everything that I'm doing on this earth is to serve God and to please God. Even, even the idea of generational wealth, which, which some people despise the idea, but the Bible declares that a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. That's right. That is biblical. It's, it's the scripture. It's not a prosperity doctrine. It is a biblical principle of God that if I'm going to be a man of God that is that is responsible for leading my family, I want to set my family up in, in, in the church that for generations, my generations love God. For generations, my generations know that everything that God does for you on this earth, your job, your finances, your wealth, it's all for the glory of God. Bless the church, bless people, be, in, be a blessing. It's a blessing to be a blessing. And all of these principles are kingdom principles. Yeah. Kingdom principles. There's a, a principle that people need to learn mm-hmm. um, in reference to money. Yep. Wealth. They think it's a sin. And, and it's crazy. It is. When, when you begin to allow the Holy Ghost to work in your life, um, 
the fruit of the spirit begins mm-hmm. to manifest. Yes. And that fruit is first love, it's mm-hmm. joy, it's peace. And then the Bible begins to talk about the other fruit of the spirit. It, it becomes temperance. Mm-hmm. The fact that a person can control themselves. Temperance. Yes, that is a godly attribute. It's a godly attribute. Mm-hmm. And what it does is, if you use secular words, I, the scripture teaches you're blessed. You become a joy. Mm-hmm. Um, you become a son of God, a daughter of God. But if you want to use secular terms, you will outcompete. Without question. Everybody. Yes. You can't beat temperance. Mm-mm. You can't beat love. No. It, it When you show up, at your work, or if you begin a business and you begin to exhibit these traits, there's a magnetism. Oh yeah, that comes with that. Yes, this this is this is the principle at play when when Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel step into a Babylonian kingdom, and the the chamberlains and the king himself took notice. These boys are different. Mm-hmm. They have excellent spirits. They were cunning in all wisdom. They were. They were given. They they were wise in the sciences. In the science. <laughs> Look at that. It's scriptural. It's scriptural. Daniel said that they 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 were astute. They were they had wisdom. They were they were skilled. These young men were brilliant, and they were not just brilliant. They were the top of their class, and even in the confinement of the kingdom of 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 the king, they said we still would not bow down to your ideologies. They said, hey, you guys can eat the king's meat if you want to. You can partake in the, in the doctrines of the devil if you want to. But we're going to stand firm on the word of God. and We're going to see who's going to fare better at yeah. the end of the day. Give us some time. Give us some time. Give us some time to see how this plays out. Time, time mm-hmm. is a teller of all stories. Give us some time and you'll find out that the children of God are the best employees that you ever hire. So if a person fools around and plays around with their faith and treats it casually, mm-hmm. they're in and out, up and down. They view it as just, you know, something that I'm trying to do and trying to do better, but you know it's tough out here. There's a lot <laughs> of people that live that halfway life. You can't do that. You can't do it. The hardest thing, the hardest life is living for God halfway. Somebody mm-hmm. says it's so hard living for God. I know they're doing it halfway. Yes. Because to give yourself wholly, it's Holy. not hard at all. No. It's not hard at all. His burden, uh, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And when a person plays with that and does not treat it the way it should be with the, with the gravity that it needs to be treated and the, mm. the seriousness, pray, truly pray. Um, pray an hour. Yes. Read the scripture for an hour. Um, get rid of electronic distractions, give yourself wholly to it. Your life will become exponentially better because people don't want to see a hypocrite. No, no. And it it shows on the battlefield. It shows. It shows. I think, I think for young people on, on two sides of the spectrum, young people can look to a David and Esther and there's something underlying in their stories that were very, very similar. And it was the private, the private consecration Esther bathed in these precious perfumes and ointments differently from those other women. But when she was lined up side by side with these girls, the king noticed her because she stood out. Her, her private her private devotions, what she did privately was made evidently, was made evident publicly. David, David's path to the throne was a path of private battles and private consecrations that he had talked with God in the valleys, that he had learned to forge a relationship with God in the valleys and the bear and the lion and Goliath were all set ups for him to sit on that throne. And it all was how he handled himself privately. And I think as a young preacher, I, at least I still consider myself a young preacher. I think I don't, I'm, I don't consider myself a polished preacher. I don't have the cadence as some guys, we talked about that. I don't feel like a natural. I feel like the rough rider in the pulpit. But there's something that I strive for. I want to be supremely connected to God, that I can hear God, and I can regurgitate his voice and convey it. And I want people to be able to feel what I feel when I'm talking to God privately. Mm-hmm. I want that to spew over the pulpit. And that's what's important to me. Private consecration is, is the only thing that's going to keep young people. You have to be devoted in secret. That that theme is played out repeatedly. Yes. Um, Joseph rises to the top in every circumstance he's in. 
So instead of crying mm-hmm. and whining and bemoaning yes. and, and wallowing in mm-hmm. your circumstances, a son of God, a daughter of God can rise to the top by virtue of these traits. Yes, in any situation. Any situation. It doesn't matter if it's a prison. It doesn't matter if it's a pit. It doesn't matter if it's a potter's house. He um, was made the warden of the prison as a prisoner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know a guy right now. He is in a federal prison. Um, it might be state. I, I don't know if he'll ever get out. Mm-hmm. He committed a crime in his youth. He's there. Out of that prison, he preaches. He he baptizes multitudes in prison. I know of at least one personally, a man that got out of that prison and is a now an apostolic pastor. Wow. Um, you know, he's been, he's out of incarceration. He has a family, a wife, kids. He is a direct result of this guy preaching in the prison. At least one. And there's many more that I just mm-hmm. don't know. Him. I can't pull them up off the top of my head. He runs a publication, a magazine publication out of there. Mm. Um, they've given him a cell phone. <laughs> Um, I talk to him all the time in prison. Privileges. Yeah, just this. <laughs> and, and there is a modern Joseph. It is. It is. Um, it, it's stunning. It is. What can happen. The, instead of looking at the moral decay that we're facing, the church is far, and this, I believe this, the church is far better served to look at the opportunity it, it affords us um, because now everybody knows the world's messed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we used to we preached this for fifty years, uh, seventy five years. The There's world, no big secret. Yeah, and here you know back then when people kind of had it together and people had a semblance of normalcy, mm-hmm. well, brother, the mask has been ripped away. It's not normal, and there's a beast under that mask, and it's <laughs> it's, it's 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 coming for for society. It is, it is, and so people are waking up to this. Mm-hmm. There's never been a better chance to let these things we're talking about be. Um, First of all, the private consecration, mm-hmm. the, the very serious consecration to God. That springs out, manifests in relationship. It mm-hmm. manifests in education and success, blessing. It, it is reflected in finance. Um, the peace and the grace that comes on a person, it just catapults them higher and higher and higher. Um, there's never been a better time to do that than right now. There's never been. I, I, I think you have to find... God's hand at work in every situation. I'm, I'm, I remember in the earliest stages of the pandemic, you know, people people were flustered by the idea of quarantine and and stay at home orders and and all those things that were forcing people to to remain inside. And as I was preaching, God began to speak to me and and said that there's glory and restoration. And when you in those valleys in those moments of isolation is when you come out more powerful than than anything. You have to use those times alone to be with God, to develop a sense of a relationship. That's not a time to spend 30 hours on Instagram and, 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 and 10 days on, on social media. You got to find the book. You got to find prayer. You got to get a regimented devotion. And if you can't live for God in this hour when you have a lot of time to think and pray, you're wasting your time. People are literally dying. Dying. They're twiddling their thumb and they're 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 playing Russian roulette because they're they, they don't know what to do with their time. They're the idle, and their hands are are finding mischief. Yeah, um, the suicide rate amongst young people right now is catastrophic. I think it's second or third most. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's because men are left to their own thoughts. That's why we need the church. We need the connectivity of the body. A youth group is is not just a click. It is the connectivity to the source of the body. To say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go to church. Let's let's have a prayer meeting. Let's have a youth prayer meeting. Yeah, that's how you stay engaged to the kingdom of God. I have run across atheists. Um, you probably have as well. Mm. Um, some of them are my friends, mm-hmm. and almost overwhelmingly, I find something to be true mm. when we get talking, and we then they let their guard down. Mm-hmm. I find that their atheism stems from being hurt without question by religion. One of my, I, and I don't want to step on you. One of my, one of my dearest friends was, was one of my teammates in college and he was without question an atheist. He was just hard up, mad, bitter. And people couldn't understand why, why, why I would even have conversations with him. But you have to really understand that people's people are just shells of the soul and there's deeper deeper matters at, at play. And 
I begin to dig and I begin to just question. He would question me and I would question him. And I come to realize that he really wasn't in a state where he didn't want to believe in God. He was mad at God Mm. because he never met his dad. His dad was murdered at an early age and he wouldn't admit to it. But I said, that's the source. That's why he doesn't want to believe in God. He's angry because he doesn't understand how God could take his dad from him and he never had a chance to be held. People are hurting, and when people hurt, they act out of fear. Yeah, They act out of fear. You ever seen a dog that was just beat down? Oh, yes. They bark, they growl, they snatch at you. They'll, they'll try to attack you. Yeah. But they are, they are acting out of fear, and that's the only defense mechanism that they have to guard themselves. They don't want to let people in. And I think most people that are atheistic or agnostic, there's a lot of hurt. And if you can let the word of God peel back those layers, you'll find there's a soul in there that's crying for God. Absolutely. Life can do that. It um, can. Another arena of hurt is false religion. Mm-hmm. Even out of balance, true religion. That's true. Um, men, women, they misapply scriptural principles. Mm-hmm. They ultimately they'll engage in terrible hypocrisy or, or double standards or some form of injustice. Yep. And here's this person who is actually a sincere person. Mm-hmm. They see the abusing, they, they, they realize, wait a minute, this person is saying they're one thing, but, but this isn't a Christian. This Mm-mm. isn't how, uh, this isn't right. And then they throw the baby out with the bathwater. They do. I have found that the majority of cases is that when you trace it back, somebody hurt them. Somebody hurt them. Um, so either life hurt them, somebody hurt them. And they say, well, if this is God, I don't believe in that. And, and, and I actually heard a preacher say this just the other day. You know, if I didn't have my frame of reference, I didn't have my upbringing, and I saw modern-day televangelism. You wouldn't come to church. <laughs> I'd say, that's God. <laughs> I don't want it. That's a used car salesman. That's I, not a preacher. I'm pretty good on my own. <laughs> yeah. And when you get some education and you get um, a, a critical thinking mindset, you realize it's. Oh, it's foolishness. It is. Not the biblical foolishness of preaching. There is it's not even close to Bible. No, they're 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 con men, they're snake oil salesmen. Yes. They're wolves. Yep. And they, they grift people. They mm-hmm. steal from people, they steal from vulnerable people. It is a crime. Yes. What they do. And they do it in the name of God. And so you get enough of that and then you get secularism poured down your throat. People turn from it. People are turned off. Yeah. And that I think I think that's that's why you can't be so quick to give up on people. I'm one of those folks I, I want to reach out of my hand, even if, even if you think it's impossible. All it takes is one invitation yeah. to change somebody's mind, mm-hmm. to step into the right church, the right atmosphere, the right body. And they said, this is what I've been looking for yeah. my whole life. That church up the street, no, they hurt me and this and that. And, and there's going to be hurts. And, and you can't you can't avoid hurt in any church setting because people are people, humans are human. But at the same time, when you get a hold of the real doctrine of God and you find a real church preaching, living living this life and doing what the Bible says, it makes all the difference. That's a profound revelation. Makes all the difference. It, that seems simple, just on the surface, <laughs> right. but it's one of the most profound things a person can can come to. Mm-hmm. Um. David hurt people. Without question. David killed a man. Bloody. When you talk about Uriah and the message to um, Joab, Joab, and he said, well, the sword devoureth one as well as another. Sent a note. Yeah. He killed the man after he had been with his wife. Mm. And, to, and then it was a cover-up. Mm-hmm. So this is evil. It's real. So there are some people who... When they're looking for faith, they're looking for church, they say, okay, well, when I find that perfect place where nobody ever makes a mistake, mm. then I'll become a Christian. If you find that perfect place, stay out of it. Because <laughs> you're going to mess, mess it up. up. <laughs> you're going to mess it up. So, yeah, that's the beauty of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Jesus became a man, mm-hmm. and God became a man. Mm-hmm. He is the only perfect man. The only. And, and so... And the scripture teaches that because ma- death came by man, it had to be redeemed by, by man. By man, this is why angels don't preach the gospel to us. They can't. They've have. They haven't been redeemed. They don't. They don't understand redemption. So somebody says, 
well, I'm not going there because I'll never follow a man. Well, we're not going to follow a man. We're following the man. The man. You ever seen in Psalms all the places where it speaks about the man? Mm-hmm. If you just put Jesus over that, it, it sounds so good. A lot of sense. <laughs> it sounds so yeah. good. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Oh, it's so good. That's all of those messianic foreshadowings. Because yeah. who's the man who never walked in the counsel of the ungodly? Never. Right. I stood in the way Save of sinners. The man, Christ Jesus. That's right. Um, who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? He, he that ha- that had clean hands. That's the man. Mm-hmm. That's the man. There's only one of them. There's only one. So, where Paul says, "Follow me as I follow Christ." Yes, that's that's the, that's the ticket. That's it. Um, I I think when men in the in the cloak of a clergyman, the pastor, the man of God, gets elevated to the position of God, is when it gets really dangerous. When men can become the Lord over the Lord's people, uh, Peter Peter was quick was quick to cut that idea off. Cornelius gets this beautiful revelation. The angel speaks to him and say, "Hey, send for the man. Send for a man named Peter, Simon, and he'll tell you. He'll he'll preach the gospel to you. He'll give you instruction." Yeah. But that's all he was there for. Yeah. And Cornelius walks up. He sees this man, this great man. The angel said he was. He must be somebody if the angel knows who he is. Yeah. And he bows down yeah. to Peter. And Peter said, hey, get up. What in the world are you doing? Yeah. I'm a man just how, like you. How many preachers? Oh, please rub yeah. my feet. That's right. <laughs> That's what you do for the man of God, you know. God bless you. I'm the man of God. Yeah. No, that's no. a toxic mindset. We're we're men amongst men. And I think that's that's the humility of a true man of God to know that um we all must take heed lest we fall. Jesus washes Peter's feet. Oh. I wonder if this is him giving him the him did Cornelius did the response to Cornelius Save that for Jesus. start. <laughs> yeah. So and, and Peter says, Oh no, no, I can't. No, I'm not You're gonna not washing my you stepping on my message for tomorrow. Oh, well now. <laughs> I'll get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> well, any distortion in that, it hurts people. Mm-hmm. And we're living in a world of a lot of hurt. Yeah, people are looking for a reason to be offended. I think a lot of, I think a lot of the um, overlooked elements of Christianity can really come into play there. Like, you know, everybody wants to have love, joy, peace, but nobody wants long suffering. Mm. Nobody wants gentleness, um, temperance. But in those fruits of the spirit. You can have long-term relationships with people. If they do something wrong, let it go. Mm-hmm. You did stuff wrong too. Yes. Aren't you glad somebody didn't praise God, kill you when you messed it up and did it wrong and had patience and with you and second Peter, second Peter three and nine, <clears throat> the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men mm-hmm. count slackness, but is long suffering to usward. That's good not willing that any should perish. So if there's any paradigm to pull out of that is that the greatest dividing attribute between men and God is his long suffering. That's men, powerful. Men right? are not long suffering. Yeah. We're not unless we take on the nature of God by the infilling of his spirit and then you get the fruits of the spirit. Gentleness, love, meekness, temperance, yeah. long suffering, the whole I, shebang. I tell my leaders to read 1 Corinthians 13. Mm. and read it and read it and read it all over again it'll say something like um charity suffereth long long and is kind now that's <laughs> one of the most powerful principles you could ever get right there preach on it yeah how about we just be kind just be nice to folks <laughs> man i i i'm gonna be tread tread very carefully but i i know people in whom I've been in close quarters with that claim to be Christian. And they're the rudest, snobbiest, mm. stuck up, well now. bougie, come on, bougie. arrogant. <laughs> if I was a waiter, I would pray, hey, when those folks walk in the door, please assign me to another table. Yeah. But no, we need to be the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. You need to know the waitress's name and say, hey, Mary, I want to invite you to church. I'm not coming to your church if you ask for a steak back three times. This is too well done. This is not medium enough. I want it rare, bloody, and runny. No, you need to be nice. Yeah. And say, you know what? I'm just going to eat this steak. 
that people don't get that. No. I'm, I'm astounded at the people that don't get that. And what about self-righteousness? Oh, that's that's pharisaical. Yeah. At the core. So Jesus despised it. Yeah. He despised it. It's filthy rags. It is. It is. It is. The, the idea that Jesus humbled himself on every occasion. He was born in humility. He was introduced on a donkey in humility. He slept and congregated amongst the publicans in humility, and he died in humility. He was humble from birth to death. And the idea that people walk around with this entitlement that they're somebody is not Christ-like. Yeah. I'm nobody. I said this at a conference in um, Montana last week, and it stands. It's, it's, It's something that we have got to embody. Mm hmm People ran towards Jesus. Oh, children. I was with a preacher this this week, this past weekend in Oregon, uh, one of my good friends with a hat in, and he, he, he mentioned something to me that revolutionized my mind as an evangelist. I want to be approachable. I want to be accessible. And Jesus invited the children to come run up to him. If children, he said, if children aren't running up to you, children are transparent and honest. A little girl that that sees a man said, mommy, that man's scary. Yeah. She'll tell you, she's not afraid. She's not afraid to tell you how he makes her feel with his aura and his, just the way he presents himself. Yeah. But Jesus was so comely and so inviting. that The children was running, pulling on his clothes, trying to sit on his lap because his spirit was gentle. Yeah. I want to be that. So much so that he has to get in a boat and push off the shore. Oh, to get away from him. To get away from him. Now, that's ministry done right. Yes. There are days where <laughs> when I wake up, I'll have, I'll have 50 voicemails mm-hmm. and 50 texts. Yep. And I'll go through them in that morning. By the time the day's done, there'll be another 100, 150. Oh, yeah. There. You have, yeah. And, and everybody's got a different thing. Everybody's mm-hmm. got a different struggle. Everybody's. It's humanity. Mm-hmm. And, and some days it can get a little wearisome. It can. But that's ministry. When you make time, sometimes Jesus would alter his route because he knew somebody there he had to make time for. If people are running from you mm. and your employer is relieved you leave. I'm so glad you're going. My mom, she said, son, you ought to live your life in such a way that people are happy to see you come and sad to see sad you go. Sad to see you go. And that sticks with me. I don't want people to say, oh, goodness, here he comes. Yeah. And, and, shh, 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 here he comes. <laughs> and a lot of that is because they're Holy Joe. Oh, yeah, and the self-righteous, they, they can't do any wrong. They come in and. Boy, but follow them home. <laughs> yes, sir. Some of the weirdest stuff comes out of people Oh, like that. man, stuff comes out of the closet then literally. Brother, I'm here to tell you. That's the, those are the ones you got to watch out for. You're like, hey, keep my eye on you. You're a little too perfect yeah, for me. You, <laughs> they got some skeletons with some meat still on the bones. <laughs> It's too much. It's more than skeletons. They got too much going on. That's funny. That's the first time I heard that one. <laughs> That's country. That. I'm Louisiana boy, man. Cornbread and chicken. We'll pull it out of you. Yes, way. sir. <laughs> well, I think it is a great day for this. Um, we, you know, we have a Nexus conference. We're having it in January. Mm-hmm. And and the idea is for young ministers, and 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 it is the next. It's the place where. All of these things meet. Mm, the convergence. The convergence of all these things. We want to promote business. Mm-hmm. We want to promote entrepreneurial activity, education, all the things that probably have a more physical dynamic to them, but they are simply extensions of what's happening inwardly. Absolutely. Uh, and in that, man, I know we got to kind of wrap up here, but I, I, I want to say this before we do. This is an overlooked part of evangelism. Um, you know, God does not save us for us to live in chaos and dysfunction the rest of our lives. No, sir. You know, I don't want to shout and run the aisles and, and speak in tongues and then barely make it through and struggle and in and, and chaos every other day. And right. I don't believe it's God's will for the wheels to be falling off my car every other day and, mm-hmm. and, and barely making the rent note because God saves the whole man. He saves the whole woman. The whole man. 
And so now I get this new birth. That's the beginning. Well, yes. So now what I do with my money, what I do with my time becomes a reflection of my character. Yes. The Jews teach that. They teach that your money is a reflection of your character. Yes. This and, is this is why when they outside of the temple, we're talking about what you do outside of the church, outside of the temple in the marketplace, they begin to question around and scour and look for men of good rapport to run the daily administration. In Acts six, the Bible tells tells us they picked seven men that were full of the Holy Ghost, but they were they were given also in business. Mm. They were businessmen that happened to have the Spirit of God in them, and that made them much more suited for the needs of the people. They were going to be fair. They were going to be economically astute. They they had understanding of business to to divvy out the doves and to do do what had to be done for the people to be served. And I think the greatest servants in the kingdom of God are well balanced people. Yes, well balanced people that can that can step on the job and be a CEO and then step in the church and be a preacher. So watch this. Say a person gets the Holy Ghost, they get baptized in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. They embrace the gospel. Yes. Oftentimes their family will fight them. They will say, you have lost your mind. Oh, no. And and you've actually found the treasure I, hidden. I, in the I found my mind. So they thought he lost his mind when he went and sold all he had and he bought the field, not knowing the treasure was in the field. He was a wise investor. Now time goes on. And and this is the, the truth tells all things. Mm-hmm. As time goes on, I grow more responsible. Mm-hmm. I grow more stable emotionally. God's grace is working on me. I show up at my job. I work hard. I get a promotion. Yes. I make some money. Mm-hmm. I have a stable life. I pay my bills. I have a nice car. Now I start dressing nice. A woman takes notice. Mm-hmm. I notice her. You get married. We get married. Then we have children. We raise up children. Those children come up in the same way. So now what's happened, this is the redemptive lift that you were referencing. Mm-hmm. Take into its fullest expression, if a person will grab a hold of the biblical principles, they will get into investing. They will get into um, stewardship. They will get into the blessing of the Lord and providing for the children's children. You want to talk about evangelism? Oh, yeah. If you come out of a crazy family and you tap into that, you won't be able to beat him off with a stick. The, 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 the dynamics of life have been altered. Yeah. It's, it's the, I would say it's a scientific principle of the laws of causality. Every natural event has a cause. That cause creates an effect. The Spirit of God affects every part of your life. You begin to think different, walk different, talk different, act different. Every every part of your being, every fiber of your being is made better by the kingdom of God, by the spirit of God. You can't, you can't, you can't substitute that. That is what we have different than your coworkers. That is what we have different than your peers and your 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 friends at school. That's what's different. It's the God factor that that is game changer. When God speaks to Abraham, he says, blessing, I will bless thee. Mm-hmm. I will bless him that blesses thee. I will curse, curse him that curses thee. So blessing was the way that God manifest who Abraham was and the children of Abraham. If they won't listen to you the first night you get the Holy Ghost, they will listen to you when you're the boss. The establishment, the establishment that God creates is what makes people take notice. When, when Solomon prays for wisdom, mm. He's praying for a spiritual thing to lead God's people. And then God says, hey, if you're going to lead my people, if you're going to be known, if you're going to be respected, I'm going to help out your pocketbook too. Yeah. He said, because when you are established as a king, people are going to take notice. They're going to take notice what, what great wealth this man has. The queen of Sheba shows up. Where did it come from? How did he get that? That yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's God. That's it. That's it. That's the <laughs> blessing. That's, That's the God. best life. Yeah. Man, I wish we had five hours. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who knows? We may have to do one of them, but we're definitely going to have to have you back. Hey, I enjoyed it, man. This was tremendous to let my brain run wild a little bit. Yes, sir. Let the nerd out a little bit. <laughs> I try to conceal it. People don't like nerds, man. I get. I don't want to get talked about. Yeah. Well, <laughs> nerds are on the rise. <laughs> well, you're coming back in a couple of weeks. Yes, sir. So we'll have to do it again. Absolutely. And in the meantime, we're glad 
We're excited. You're going to be preaching for us tomorrow night. And Looking forward to it. We're excited to take this time with you. And we're glad that you all came uh, to be with us here at Biblos. I wanted to introduce you to my good friend. And, um, and we'll be praying for you. We love you. We appreciate you. And I hope this has been a blessing to you. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you next time here at the Biblos Network. Amen.